Scriptures. Uh, if you'll turn to 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, and hold your place there. We'll come back to that, uh, come back to that passage a little bit later in the message. But uh, where we want to begin this morning and where, where we will read from is Mark chapter 9, the book of Mark chapter number 9. So hold your place in 1 John chapter 5. And uh, if you'll read with me in Mark chapter number 9. And uh, thank you for being faithful. It's great to see you this morning. I always look forward to Sunday morning and being assembled again with the church family and, and uh, just to chat with a lot of folks during the handshaking time or before Sunday school or between Sunday school and service and, and uh, find out what's been going on in your life this week. And I uh, hope you've had a great week. I want you to pray uh, for uh, several needs in our church family. Uh, especially, I see Brother Snyder in the in the back there, and, and uh, he goes in for knee replacement on Wednesday, is that right, uh, over at Beaumont Hospital in Troy, and so I want you to pray for Brother Snyder, and uh, he's going to come out partially a new man, and uh, <laughs> so uh, I think the game plan is he's going to get a new knee, and then one part at a time, he's just going to switch everything out to something brand new. And uh, you give him a couple of years, you won't recognize him. But uh, but anyway, uh, you know, seriously, do pray for Brother Snyder as he goes in for knee replacement surgery. And uh, <clears throat> I was at the men's softball games yesterday, and from the looks of things, there's a lot of replacement that needs to be going on around here. But uh, <laughs> amen, Brother Gallagher. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, <clears throat> appreciate the good time that the fellas have and uh, and uh, as a spectator I, I enjoy myself for sure no, no question about it <clears throat> but uh, what a blessing it is to be a part of a church family uh, stand with me please for the reading of God's word we'll begin in Mark chapter 9 and verse number 17 Mark chapter number 9 and verse number 17 the Bible says and one of the multitude answered and said master I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, talking about the spirit, tearing the young man. And he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples, that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him, he answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they, brought unto him, and they brought him unto him, talking about Jesus. And when he saw him, he straight, and straightway the Spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, How long is it since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Verse 23, Jesus said unto him, don't miss this, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him, and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried, and rent him sore, and came out of him. And he was as one dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could not we cast him out? 
And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. I want to direct your attention back to verse number 24, where the man spoke to Jesus and said, and, and straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. I want to preach to you this morning on the subject, believing believers. Believing believers. And let's pray together. Our Father, we ask your help now. This is a message that I believe uh, is of you for this morning. I'm always amazed at how your timing is perfect. I had planned on preaching this message a couple of weeks ago, but for whatever reason, could not. And uh, it seems to me this morning that you have confirmed uh, on a couple of the different occasions this morning that this is the time for this message. And I pray that it would be helpful. I pray that uh, whatever the issue of the timing was, Father, that uh, maybe it was someone who was not here to hear, who should have been here, is here this morning to hear it. And I pray that you'd use this message in all of our hearts. Father, what this world needs is not just believers, but believing believers. And I pray that you'd help us see it and help us apply it to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Whenever you preach on the subject of faith, it is one of the most challenging things in all the Scripture to talk about. Really, because faith is something that we can't sense with the human senses. You think about faith, and the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, you can't see it because if you could see it, there'd be no faith involved. <laughs> uh, you can't taste faith. You can't hear faith, although the Bible does tell us that faith cometh by hearing, but you don't hear faith. You hear the Word of God, and that increases your faith. You can't, uh, you, uh, faith can't be felt. Faith cannot be uh, tasted. Faith cannot be heard. Faith cannot be seen. And so really, that makes it very difficult to talk about the subject of faith. Yet, the Bible tells us that faith is the very essence of salvation. The only thing that God requires of you to be saved is faith. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't uh, hope your way to heaven. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't pay your way to heaven. You can do nothing to get yourself to heaven except for exercising what faith God has given you and placing that faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as your only hope for eternal salvation. That's it. That's all that God requires, and that's all that you can do. Uh, if you think that you're good enough to get to heaven, you're going to be sadly mistaken one day. If you think that you can somehow earn God's favor by what you do, what you accomplish, who you are, what you do with your life, we're not saved by works. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us, the Bible tells us in Titus chapter number 3. But when we talk about this matter of faith, it's a little bit difficult to describe. And so this morning, uh, some, I want to point to this uh, story in the Bible, and then we'll go to another passage to talk about this matter of believing believers. The Bible tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can't please God outside of faith. Uh, God's not satisfied with your life outside of a life of faith. I, uh, I mentioned in my Sunday school class this morning, but my wife and I, 
uh, we came across the path of Dr. Tom Williams this week while we were at camp. And of course, Brother Williams, as you know, he's been here on a couple, on at least one occasion. He's a man of prayer. He's a man of faith. And we chatted with him for just a few moments. And I said, Brother Williams, are you preaching somewhere this weekend? He said, I'll be in Ohio in the Cleveland area. And as soon as he said that, I started getting cold chills because I've spent some quality time in Cleveland the last couple of weeks. But anyway, he said, I'll be in the Cleveland, Ohio area. And, uh, and he, said, uh, he said, I'm really excited about it. He said, because I'm preaching for a young pastor there who is just stepping out on faith. I said, how's that? He said, he is, uh, he said, he, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's turning in his two weeks notice to his job. He said, the church is just getting started. They're not able to support him, but he's a little bit frustrated with where he's at and, uh, and where the church is at, what he's able to do and the work that he's able to put into it. And so he's just quitting his job and stepping out on faith and asking the Lord to take care of him and his, his new wife. And, and, uh, they're just, he said, I'm excited about that. He said, because I'll tell you something, Brother Dale. He said, God's going to do some great things in that church and in the life of that pastor because God always rewards faith. And I was reminded of this passage. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible to please God. You know, God's not impressed with your abilities because God gave them to us. Whatever you may boast about as far as your abilities are concerned, uh, whether it's athletic ability or whether it's, uh, it's uh, a, a mind for business or whether it's some kind of a talent or whatever, uh, God's not impressed with your abilities because God gave you those abilities. God's not impressed with our knowledge. You know why? God's all-knowing. <laughs> He's omniscient. He knows everything. Hey, I'll guarantee you something. If you know it, God knows it. Uh, and God knows a lot that you don't know. He's all-knowing. He created the universe. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. Those are some of the, the uh, characteristics of our Almighty God. And let me tell you something. God is not impressed by our ability or our knowledge or our possessions or, or you know, He made everything. Hey, God, look at what I have. God says, hmm. oh, okay. <laughs> God, look at what I know. Oh, okay. He's all-knowing. <laughs> but no, if you want to impress God this morning, then the Bible says the way to do that is to exercise faith in God. Because faith is dependence upon God. Faith is when you, <coughs> excuse me, faith <coughs> is not relying upon yourself, but faith is total reliance upon God. Now, with that in mind, I want to direct your attention to this story here in Mark chapter 9. And, uh, and, and here's a man who got the, the attention of the Savior. Jesus was amazed at the faith of several people throughout the Gospels, and I believe this man was one of them. And uh, let's take a look at the story, if you will. Many stories in the Bible that we could use to illustrate this truth, but I want you to notice this one specifically. Here's a man who the Bible said brought his son to Jesus. The Bible says that he had a, that the Bible uses the term dumb spirit, and then later on, it, uh, uh, Jesus referred to him uh, by not just the word dumb spirit, but foul spirit. Uh, but uh, uh, And then Jesus uses the term deaf and dumb spirit. So we do know that this was a satanic, Attack a satanic spirit, uh, demon possession, if you will, if you want to use that term. <clears throat> but this was an evil spirit, a satanic spirit that uh, had overtaken this young man. And here's a dad who didn't know where else to go, didn't know who else to turn to. And so this man took this son to the disciples. 
Jesus' disciple, you know, Peter, James, John, and so forth. And the Bible says that he took them, or took his son, to the disciples in hopes that they could cast out this evil spirit from his son. And the Bible tells us very clearly in, in the book of Mark that these disciples could not cast out this deaf and dumb spirit from this young man. And so he goes a step further. He said, I'm going to take my son to Jesus. By the way, that's a good idea. <clears throat> God wants us to get people to Jesus. Uh, not just for salvation. Hey, <clears throat> Jesus is he's like uh, he's good for whatever is wrong in your life. I'll promise you that. And and so they bring this young man <clears throat> to Jesus. And I want you to see first of all the helpless situation. The helpless situation. This is by way of introduction. Here's a young man. He has uh, medical uh, science could not help him. His problem was not a sickness. His problem was an evil spirit that possessed him. Uh, his was a spiritual problem. His was not a physical problem. Now, the uh, the problem that he had, the root of his problem, did cause a physical uh, physical uh, challenge. There's no question about it. But this was a spiritually rooted problem, and and so that there was a helpless situation here. No amount of money could help this situation. No physical strength could cure what was wrong with this young man. No human intelligence could reason it away. No doctor could treat this young man's condition. You see, here we see a problem that was beyond man's ability to solve. You got a problem like that this morning? Do you have a helpless situation this morning? I'm talking about a situation that is beyond your ability to solve. You know, sometimes we look at problems in life and our first reaction is, how do I solve this? Our first reaction is, how can we scheme a way to make this better? How can we figure this out? How can we somehow give an answer to this problem, a solution to this dilemma that we're facing? But every now and then, there are problems that come into our lives that are beyond any capability that we have to solve them. It is a, it is a God-sized problem, meaning it's, it's way above our heads. May I say this? God loves to get us in a position sometimes where we have to depend upon Him. God, God is thrilled when we go to Him and say, God, I've tried everything else I know to do. I, I, I've tried to figure this out. I've tried to think that these, this just doesn't add up in my life. God, I'm going to bring it to you because I have no other alternative. You know what? Why don't we, just, why don't we treat prayer as a first resource instead of a last resort? What a great idea. <laughs> Why don't we decide that before our problems become insurmountable, before, you know, you know, God likes to solve little problems too. But sometimes we decide, well, this is, I can handle this one. I can handle this one. I can. And so God says, okay, well, let me bring you to a point where you have no choice but to depend upon him. You see, if we would just depend upon him every day, even when the big mountainous problems are not standing in our way. You know, you know, God would be more pleased with us because faith pleases God. But notice here the, the helpless situation. The helpless situation. Ladies and gentlemen, there are things that come into our lives that serve to remind us that we need God. And by the way, God wants to be needed. God wants to be needed. And, and, and you know, every parent in here, you know, you know what this is like. You want your kids to need you. You don't want to be disregarded by your children or your grandchildren. 
You don't want to be said at naught by those that you love dearly. And God loves you, my friend, and God cares for you. But God is thrilled when His children, God is thrilled when His uh, creatures come to Him in, uh, in, in dependency upon God. He loves that. He loves that. He, he longs for that. So we see the helpless situation, but I want you to see also this uh, as a matter of introduction, the hapless servants. The disciples tried to cast out this evil spirit from the young man, but they failed. They failed. They said, Jesus, we don't know what to do. This guy, he, he brought this young man to us, and he's, he's obviously got issues. He's demon-possessed. He's got this dumb spirit. And, uh, and, and, and Lord, we tried to cast him out. We did everything we knew to do. And, uh, and by the way, I don't wish to condemn the disciples at all. This is a tall order. <laughs> this is no gimme right here, okay? I don't say this, you know, condemningly of Andrew and Peter, James and John and Thomas and so forth. I don't condemn those fellows at all because, look, there's some things only God can do. Only God can do. And then I want you to see, uh, by way of introduction number three, the healing Savior. The healing Savior. You see, what the disciples could not do and what the doctors could not do, what no one and nothing else could do, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. This man brings this boy to Jesus and said, Look, you're my only hope. I want you to see something uh, if, uh, with me, if you will. Look back in our text at Mark chapter 9 and verse number 22. It says, And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Can't you just read between the lines there and see the helplessness in this man? Can't you hear it? In the, you know, I mean, we, although we don't have the, the, uh, uh, the benefit of hearing him say these words, you can almost see the pathos between the lines in the Scriptures where he said, Jesus, if you will, if you can do anything to help us, would you please do something? He was at his wit's end. He had nowhere else to go. And uh, uh, it's a, hey, it's a wonderful miracle from the Savior. But notice the statement that takes place in verse 23. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, don't miss it, all things are possible to him that believeth. Well, I like that. Jesus said, hey, you're here, sir, and your son is foaming at the mouth. He's, uh, he's beside himself. This, uh, this spirit is tearing him up on the inside, and, uh, uh, it's causing all kinds of problems. And he said, uh, Jesus, if you can help us, we'd sure appreciate it. And Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believeth. You know, the helpless feeling of a parent whose child seemed hopeless is evident right here. He had nowhere else to go. So he took him to Jesus. Jesus stepped in and did what no one else could do. He said to the Father, the one who was possessed, all things are possible to him that believes. Now, we hear that and we say amen, and rightfully we should. We've seen other occasions in the Bible where a similar statement is made. We heard Abraham said way back in Genesis chapter 23 or 24, I believe it is, with God all things are possible. We've heard it, uh, we've heard it, uh, uh, other versions, other statements, other, uh, similar statements made in the scriptures, uh, to that effect. Hey, if you believe it's possible because we have an almighty God who can do the impossible. Wait a minute. Notice the response of the Father in verse 24. And this is really the, the gist of the message, okay? 
Mark chapter 9, verse 24, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. <laughs> That's kind of a weird statement, isn't it? God, <clears throat> I believe, but help my unbelief. <laughs> Jesus, I know you can heal my son. I've got all the faith in the world. I believe you. You said all things are possible if you believe. But you know what? There's just a little bit of unbelief there. Would you help that? Would you take care of that for me? You know what? All of us are like that. Did you hear me this morning? All of us are like that. Lord, I believe. <laughs> but that little part of me, Brother Dave, that doesn't believe, Lord, would you take care of that? Because I sure don't want that to be there. I don't want anything to hinder your work in my life. And we know that faith pleases God and, and unbelief doesn't please God. And, but we're human. And there's always that little tinge of, of a lack of faith or unbelief that sometimes gets in the way and, and clouds our thinking a little bit. And, and sometimes we focus on the, the little bit of unbelief that our faith is a little bit weakened. And we say, Lord, are you able to do anything with me? I'm so frustrated with myself. I'm not the great man of faith that I ought to be. I'm not the great Christian that I ought to be. But God, I believe. Would you help my unbelief? What this world needs today is believing believers. Believing believers. Take your Bible with me and turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. I was out soul winning the other day, and as I always do after I talk to someone and, and uh, share the gospel with them, if they trust Christ, I always go back to 1 John chapter 5 to try to leave them with some assurance of salvation. That's a good thing to do, by the way. God wants us to have assurance that we're saved. <laughs> and then I, I read this, this passage to, to this uh, person who got saved, and uh, it, this hit me like a ton of bricks. And I want to share it with you this morning. First John chapter 5 and verse number 11, the Bible says, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He's talking about eternal life there. He said eternal life is in the Son. He that hath the Son hath life. Look at verse number 12. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Now look at verse number 13. Read it carefully. I, I tell you what, let's read it out loud together, shall we? Ready, begin. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I read that verse to that lady, and I, I was almost distracted from the matter at hand and trying to give her assurance of salvation because of this thought that dawned on me at that moment. Two times in 1 John 5, 13, he uses the word believe. Now, let me read it again. Listen very carefully. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know that you have eternal life and that, that assurance of salvation is based on your believing in Jesus for salvation. You with me? That's what he said. He said, I want you to believe in Christ. I want you to trust Christ for salvation. And if you have done that, you can rest assured, my friend, that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that heaven is your home, that uh, your eternal destiny is secured. You don't have to worry about it, fret about it. Hey, once saved, always saved. That's a wonderful thing. But wait a minute. The verse doesn't stop there. We're reading the last phrase after the comma following eternal life. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Did you see that? 
He doesn't just want us to believe for salvation. He wants believers to believe in God. He wants believers, those of us who have trusted Christ, to keep on believing God for the other things of life. Hey, let me tell you something. He wants believers to believe. Number one, we're to believe the first time for salvation. If you're here this morning, my friend, and you have not trusted Christ for salvation, you don't go to heaven because you're good. You go to heaven because He's good and you believe in Him. You don't go to heaven because you're worthy. You go to heaven because He's worthy and you put your faith and trust and belief, if you will, in Him. I like to illustrate it like this, if I may. I can look at that chair all day and say, you know what, I think that chair is going to hold me up. I think that chair has the capacity to, to bear all of my weight. I can stand here and talk about it till the cows come home, but until I put my weight on this chair, and if I fall, you catch me, okay? <clears throat> until I put my weight on this chair, guess what? It means nothing. But right now, the only thing holding me off the floor is that chair. You know what you call that? Faith. I'm believing in that chair, not just lip service, not just saying, I think it'll happen. No, I put my weight on it. And when I came to Jesus Christ many years ago now, I said, hey, Jesus, I'm going to go to hell unless you do something for me. And that day, I put my faith and my trust in Jesus and Him alone, not Jesus plus good works, not Jesus plus church, not Jesus plus baptism, not Jesus plus anything. It was Jesus and Him alone. That's believing on the name of the Son of God. Now, we're to believe the first time for salvation. But it doesn't stop there. Now, as far as salvation, that's the end of it. That's all, that's all that needs to happen for you to go to heaven. But the end of that verse says, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. We are to be continually building our faith so that we trust the Lord for everything in this life. Don't miss it. Not only am I to trust Christ for salvation, but after I'm saved, I'm to trust Christ about everything. Everything. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Look, isn't it a shame that we can trust God to care for our never-dying soul for eternity, but we struggle with trusting Him to get us through today? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. We'll get on our face before the Lord. Hey, you go back to the day that you got saved. Go back to the place where you were when you trusted Christ. Even if you don't remember the date, that's not as important as you remembering where you were when you got saved. You know, the Apostle Paul, every time he gave his testimony, he didn't say, I got saved on such and such a date. That's not what he said. What he said is, I was on the road to Damascus. I was going from Jerusalem to Damascus. I had letters in hand, uh, uh, verified and certified, and, uh, uh, and, and everything was, was set in stone for me to go and persecute Christians in Damascus. And I was on that road to Damascus, and a light shone from heaven. And, uh, and, and, and there I was, man. I, w I knew I wasn't saved. I knew I wasn't right with the Lord. And I looked up, and, and I saw Jesus right there. And I got saved that day. That was Paul's testimony. Where were you when you got saved? Look, wherever it was... On that day that you trusted Christ as your Savior, from that day until the day that you see Him face to face, God wants you to trust Him. God wants you to keep on believing on Him. He doesn't ever want you to stop. Oh, oh, we understand. You trust Him once and for all salvation, but the great God of heaven that provided salvation, the great God of heaven that provides eternal security, is the same great God of heaven who wants to meet your needs today, June 24, 2018. God wants believers to keep on believing. God wants to do mighty things in our lives today, but do we trust Him enough to allow Him to do that? 
Do we trust God today? You know, we, we, we wring our hands. We, uh, we look at the news and say, oh man, I don't know what's going to happen. I just don't know what's going to happen. You know, and by the way, can I help us? Most of what you worry about, you got no control over anyway. <laughs> it's silly, some of the things that we worry about. You know, we, uh, we, we bog ourselves down. We depress ourselves by exposing <coughs> our minds through our eyes and ear gates to things that we got no control over. Look, God's able to, He's got all this under control. Did you know that God is not up in heaven right now pacing the floor? Man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do about North Korea? He hasn't, he hasn't thought twice about it. He's in control of everything. <clears throat> you know, whatever it is that bothers you, whatever it is that, that uh, weighs you down emotionally or mentally or, 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 or bogs you down, spiritually speaking, look, most of it, <clears throat> why don't we just learn to give it to God? Hey, the same God that saved you, the same God that's taking care of your eternal destiny, He's able to take care of your hangnail. <laughs> huh, that makes sense. He's able to take care of whatever it is that's bothering you, whatever it is that comes in. And look, I'm not here to minimize your problem this morning. I'm simply saying there comes a time when God expects all believers to keep on believing. Just look, God did not use all of his strength and energy to save you, and now he's out of gas. But that's the way we treat him. God did not expend all of his might and all of his power and all of his resources to get you to heaven, but now he is incompetent to do anything else for you. know, God's well able. We just need to trust him. We need to believe him. By the way, we manifest that belief in him by prayer. Because later on in Mark chapter 9, Jesus said to his disciples, they came to him and said, Jesus, how come we couldn't cast out that, that deaf and dumb spirit out of that young man? How come we couldn't do that? And Jesus very simply said to his disciples, he said, fellas, this kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. You see, prayer is the manifestation of faith. Prayer is the expression of our dependency upon God. And when I get on my knees and I go to God in prayer and say, God, i got to have your help today. And God says, oh, wow, man, goody, goody, I can't wait. You know, I feel sorry for God sometimes. He has been gracious to so many people, given, the, given so many people eternal life and, and uh, those who've come to Him by faith in Christ, and yet we ignore Him for the rest of our lives, and God is up in heaven saying, you know, um, I could help you with that if you'd ask. I, 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 could, I, could, I could take care of that situation for you if you'd have sense enough to come to me about it. Hey, if, if you'd ever decide that you need me, hey, I'm here. I'm here. And by the way, he's not looking for great faith. He's looking for a little bit of faith. In fact, this gentleman said, Lord, I believe, but you know, there's just a little part of me that doesn't. <laughs> what he said. I believe. Help mine unbelief. You understand something? There's so much I want to say here, not a lot of time to say it. There was some measure of doubt as I take you back to this original story where we begin the message. There was, here's a, here's a man who believed that Jesus could do what Jesus said he would do. He was desperate. He was at the, he was at the end of his rope. And he believed that Jesus could do it. There was a little bit of doubt, but look, he believed, don't miss it, he believed Jesus enough to bring him his son and say, here, Jesus, if you can do anything, would you do something? I believe, Jesus, would you help my unbelief? 
Let me, let me share with you a great thing here. If there were no possibility of doubts, it wouldn't be faith. You ever think about that? Again, faith is the substance of things, what's the next word? Hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Look, in our own sin Adamic nature and this flesh in which we live, you know, I would like to think that I was always this great bastion of faith, but I can't say that honestly. There's times when I doubt. There's times when you doubt. There was a time when this, this man who brought his, his son to Jesus doubted, but that didn't keep him from acting upon what faith that he had. Hey, why don't we just decide I'm going to exercise what faith that I have, trust the Lord to increase my faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Here's what some people do. Well, you know, I'm just kind of doubting God, so I'll just stay home from church. That's dumb. Oh, uh, you know, I'm just kind of doubting God, so I'll just, I won't read my Bible today because after all, I don't think God's coming through for me. No, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. That's like saying, that's like saying, you know, <clears throat> I got this disease, but I think I'm mad about it. I think I'll stay home from the doctor. Doesn't make any sense. No, what we do is we act upon what faith we do have and say, Lord, would you make up the difference in my unbelief? Would you help my unbelief? But Jesus, I'm, I'm doing everything I can. Would you, would you make up the difference in what I lack? I mentioned a while ago, a couple of times today, somebody has done something that's kind of confirmed this is the message that God wanted me to bring today. Brother Moore brought, gave me this between Sunday school and church. It's a, it's a mustard seed in little, little Ziploc bag there, and it's from, he was in, in Israel just recently, a little mustard seed. You say, preacher, what's the significant about a mustard seed? How does it relate to the message? I'm glad you asked. Thank you for asking such intelligent, intelligent questions in church. Anyway, <laughs> Jesus said, if you have the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you can move a mountain. Now, you say, preacher, what's the significance of a mustard seed? That's just it. It's insignificant. It's not very big. You could, you could barely see it. Most of you could not even see it from where you're sitting. But Jesus said, hey, I'm not looking for huge amounts of faith. I'm not looking for stockpiles of faith. I'm not looking for an overabundance of faith. Jesus said, I can do a whole lot with just a little bit of faith. Do you, do you have enough faith to show up on Sunday morning to church? Do you have enough faith to, to, to pick up that Bible and try to get something from yourself on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Do you have just a little bit of faith to trust God enough to bring your requests and make them known to Him? Do you have just enough faith to have a quiet time tomorrow morning when the preacher's not there and your spouse isn't there, but just you and God to get along? Do you have just enough faith to do that and then say, Jesus, I believe, would you help my unbelief? Because more than anything, I want to be a Believing believer. Not just a Christian, not just, although that's a wonderful thing, not just someone who has one time believed God for salvation and then writes him off for the rest of his life. No, sir, I want to be the kind of believer who day by day, week after week, month after month, as the years go by, as long as God gives me a breath to breathe, believe, or breathe, I want to be a believer who puts his faith in God for everyday occasions. Everyday events. God wants to help you. He doesn't just want to get you a ticket to heaven and then have you ignore him for the rest of your life. By the way, how ungrateful can we be? If somebody saved you from physical death, you would, you would spend the rest of your life trying to do everything you could to show some measure of gratitude toward that person, wouldn't you? Sure you would. 
Hey, Jesus saved me from eternal damnation. In the eternal fires of hell, I've been saved. <clears throat> Why in the world would I turn around and ignore him for the rest of my life? That's, that is the height of ingratitude. No, what God wants from us is not just to be a believer, but a believing believer. A believer who every day spends a little bit of time saying, God, i got this problem. I don't know what to do with it. Sometimes you may go to God, you may have a problem, and it may not seem like a huge problem, but He still wants to bring it to Him. God, i got this problem, and I believe that you can help me with this problem. Oh, by the way, Father, would you help my unbelief? Would you help my unbelief? I got, I got enough faith, but it's not much bigger than a mustard seed. Jesus said, that's all you need. <laughs> that's all you need. You don't have to have mountains of it. You don't have to have payloads of it. Just a little bit of it. Enough faith to trust me with life. I look around the room this morning, as I always do on Sunday morning. I see, I see folks who have appointments this week. I see Brother Snyder back there who has knee replacement surgery this week. We joke cut up about it a little bit, but yeah, that's, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. I look around the auditorium, I see people who, who have uh, other appointments this week and it weighs heavy on their hearts and, and it's a, a heavy load that you carry. And I see Brother Kerr is here who's just recently lost his dear wife and, and, uh, and it's a challenge day by day in her absence. And, and, and look, can I help you? The great God of heaven says, trust me, believe me. Keep on believing in. Oh, you believe me for salvation. You trusted me with the most dearest possession that you have. You're never dying soul. Hey, I can help you with the rest of it too, if you'll trust me. May we all look to heaven this week and say, Lord, I believe. Would you help my unbelief? The times when I doubt, would you help that? Would you forgive that? Help me to trust you more. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I've proved him or and or. We could give testimonies in here and, and people could stand up and, and we could spend the rest of the day. We won't, but we could. Uh, <clears throat> we could spend the rest of this Sunday and people giving testimonies about how God has come through for you in your life. He can do it again. He can do it again. What he's looking for this morning simply is believing believers. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. You believed him once for salvation.